I'm Jake. And I'm Benny. And welcome back to Jake and Benny's Backyard Football. Week 13 for the NFL was so crazy. We had a lot of great games. A lot we of upsets. A, a lot of upsets and a lot of players who really stood out this week. And we're going to get into that and more on this episode. So sit back, relax, and stay tuned. I'm pretty sure you're used to it by now. We're going to start out with Game of the Week. I'll go ahead and get into mine first. Let's talk about Washington and Pittsburgh for a minute. Now that was that was a really that was probably the biggest upset of the week. Uh, no one expected the football team to go in there and get the dub, but they played very well. And it's like being down fourteen at three, fourteen to three at half. I mean, and being able to bounce back and win the way they did. Alex Smith played pretty decent as well. Uh, yeah, overall, just a great game, especially very defensive. I know that the defense kind of won the game for the football team in the long run because it was that interception that big Ben threw that kind of just ended the game for them like yeah yeah as soon as that was thrown I kind of knew the game was over and the Reds or sorry the football team was going to beat them uh this just goes to show that you were saying that uh the Steelers are the worst 11-0 team in history Mm -hmm. and it showed right there they lost to one of the worst teams in the league currently that's Mm -hmm. not the Jets um speaking of defense winning that game for the football team uh I saw that after the game uh, head coach for the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, went up and talked to Chase Young. Oh, yeah. And he said, I don't ever want to have to, like, lose enough games where I have to get a guy like you. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't Yeah, I don't want to lose enough to get a guy like you. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. That was, that was a pretty cool way of complimenting him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I also want to talk about Alex Smith for a minute. I, I think the fact that he played the game with a gushing... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wasn't it a cleat cut yeah, or something? He got a cleat cut on his shin, and he still played, even though that thing was gushing. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I would understand people. Like, I understand people want Big Ben to be comeback player of the year because that's that's understandable. He threw out his arm mm-hmm. last season, and then everybody was saying he was all old, but he's having a career season right now. But, but Alex Smith almost died. Yeah, Alex Smith almost died, and he's playing out there with a gushing shin. Like, I don't know. Alex Smith... Uh, has the most heart out of any quarterback that's played the game so far. Definitely. Um, do you think that this is a change in maybe the football team season and just the team in general? Do you think this marks a, a turnaround for the team? I think it's a change in identity for sure. Ever since they hired head coach Ron Rivera, mm-hmm. um, I knew, like, Washington always had that stigma that they were just, like, good enough. You know, they're just there to make money yeah. like the team was. Um, like, they, didn't re- they weren't really focused on staff or players or yeah. anything, but... Bringing in Ron Rivera, um, you brought in more than a head coach. You brought in culture. You brought in a leader. And with the addition of Chase Young being drafted, I think that whole locker room was changed this season. And I think we're seeing a new face of the NFC East. And remember, the NFC East is probably the most competitive division in football right now. Uh, so they could still, I think they're tied right now, actually. Yeah, so if there's a time to take the NFC East, it's now. And the football team, I feel like they're the ones who are going to do it. They definitely can make it. Um, so going on from that, my game of the week is actually going to be uh, the Vikings and the Jaguars. Now, two back-to-back games, the Jaguars have been really close. just been great games. But, of course, they lost in overtime against the Vikings. And this brings up some concerns for me because... Now, we know that the Vikings are actually in the hunt right now for a wild card spot. I think that they are actually first in the hunt right now. I think they just passed the Cardinals. I'm not entirely sure, though. I think so, too. But, yeah, it's super close in the hunt right now. And that's just crazy because the Vikings, they were 1-5 to start the season. Like, they lost all like almost all their games in a row. And then ever since then, they've just been doing so good. 
And yeah, they're in the hunt right now. Dalvin Cook's really good. Kirk Cousins is honestly- He's turned com- it around. Completely turned around. Like I remember beginning, if you go back to the very beginning of our show, I was saying, I think that the Vikings should tank for Trevor. I think that Kirk Cousins isn't good anymore. I never really thought he was good to begin with, but he's actually leading this team almost every single week. I mean, they did lose one game. I believe they're six and six. He won five of their five of their six last games, which is just insane to me. And he just looks really good. Like he's that, commanding that team. He really is. He's leading them well. Uh, Adam Thielen's back, so that's going to help them out a lot. And I think that if he was there last week, they probably would have won. So with Thielen, Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins, and Dalvin Cook, they have a really promising uh, future for this offense. Now their defense. It's decent. I mean, it's good enough to win games. Yeah, we've seen that happen enough to they've proved themselves, but they're not a top defense. You shouldn't be in overtime with the Jaguars. No, definitely not. I would say what you have to do if you're if you're their GM, you want to draft defensive players. The offense is set right now, unless if you feel there's another player that needs to go. But everything on offense looks really good right now. I mean, we we don't know how Kirk Cousins is going to do next season. So you might want to plan for that. But still, I'm using my first early picks definitely on getting defensive players. Yeah, I haven't seen a real standout linebacker for the Vikings in a minute. So maybe that's the direction they might go. They do have a great safety. But besides that, I can't really think of any other great defensive players on the Vikings currently. And then we also wanted to switch things up and kind of throw in another game that we both wanted to talk about. And... I'll go ahead and start with mine. The game I wanted to talk about was Cleveland and Tennessee. The Browns went into halftime leading um, 41 to 7. Yeah. They went in 41 to 7. Baker Mayfield. 38 to 7. Yeah, 38 to 7. And Baker Mayfield, he had a phenomenal day. Went 20 for 25, I believe. 336 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Best career game of his life. Yeah. And he was making. The thing is, um, I was watching some of his film and. Uh, he's really been sharpening up his tendons, like his old flaws and his bad tendencies. There's this one seam route that had the smallest window of opportunity, and it was to his, yeah, it was his it was to his tight end, and he decided not to throw it. And that's something I feel Baker Mayfield definitely would have done beforehand. And instead, he checked down to Kareem Hunt, and although they had to settle for a field goal, that was in the first quarter right decision though yeah Yeah, it was it's better it's better to take three than to have a turnover and throw an interception and it's really easy for people to poke fun at baker mayfield and say that he's washed because of his 22 touchdown 21 interception season last year but um people fail to remember his rookie season and how he's still an nfl record holder he has the most passing touchdowns from an nfl rookie and that's the Baker Mayfield I saw against the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans in the second half, they did uh, raise their score to 35, but the Browns had their second team defense out there. And I think it was a pretty comfortable win for the Browns. I wasn't real stressed about it when I was watching the game. Um, they held Derrick Henry to 60 yards and a fumble. And they also managed to have A.J. Brown fumble twice. I know that messed up your fantasy. Uh, yeah, I lost this week because of those <laughs> probably... Uh, my team did bad this week, but I'm in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, that was really surprising by the Browns. Now, I've been... I'm not the biggest fan of Baker Mayfield. Um, I kind of hate on him a lot. I give him a lot of crap because I don't think he's that good. But... There's this uh, popular meme that goes around NFL pages called the Baker Mayfield cycle. And it's like, uh, lose a game, have the underdog mentality, 
uh, beat an inferior opponent, and then the whole entire cycle restarts. But he might have broken the cycle because he beat the best team in the NFC or the AFC South. Like he beat the Titans. The Titans are a good team. The defense is good. The offense is a powerhouse with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. And I don't know. I feel like the Browns finally might have reached the point where they're comfortable with because are they nine and three or eight, eight nine and three? three? Nine and three right now. It's the best record in such a long time. They're on route to make the playoffs right now. And overall, I'm I'm happy for them. I think that they finally found out like the right stuff to do to win a game. It only took them since 1998 <laughs> to finally have a solid team, but they have so much talent on their team. And the hiring of Kevin Stefanski as their head coach, that's been phenomenal so far. They did open up the season 0-1, and I saw people already talking, uh, saying like they were like worried for the Browns, already disappointed. But they went in. They went into the game eight and three, and the Titans also went in eight and three. Yep. And they smacked on the Titans, and it'll eventually happen. Let's say the playoffs happen now. Um, the Browns are in the wild card. Yep. If they win their game, they're most likely going to go against the Steelers after, in the divisional matchup. Yeah. And in that game, uh, I'm taking the Browns. I think the Browns have more. I think they have more talent on their team than the Pittsburgh Steelers do, but the Steelers have more chemistry, but the Browns are still building that chemistry. And I feel, I feel like they have it now. And I, I agree. I mean, the Steelers, they're in a lot of close games and you just have to give them enough pressure to make one little mistake. That's all it takes for the Steelers to lose a game. They they were in so many close games almost every week, it seems, but I think that now that they lost their game. It's going to be a I mean, sure, they don't have the pressure to be undefeated anymore because they lost that game, but then they still want to go 15 and 1. That's their end goal now. Mm-hmm. So, overall, I think they're still going to be a really like, they're, they're going to feel pressure because, especially, they got, they got a lot of hate. Every time I see a post involving the Steelers in any way, people always comment, like, worst 11 0 team in history. They always say that they're such a bad team. So, I think, honestly, the pressure, they it's hard to ignore the media. I feel like they are recognizing what the media is saying about them and they want to prove them wrong. But by doing that, they might make some mistakes, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely does. And one more little takeaway I want to say on the Browns. I don't know how many good games the Browns have to have where until people stop saying, oh, it was luck. Yeah. Oh, they just played bad because the Browns are still being dismissed. That game against the Titans was still dismissed. And Mm -hmm. honestly, not even being biased, I don't think that's fair to the Browns organization. No, if you shut down the best running back in the league, you should get respect for that. While throwing 336 yards on a pretty decent defense. Yeah, both sides of the ball looked great on Sunday. Even then, Jarvis Landry had a pass for six yards. He threw it back to Baker Mayfield. And on that same play, um, he drew a penalty. He got um late hit on a quarterback. So that was, that was, that was pretty good on him. Uh, that's all I have to say for that game. Um, it was a real standout game for me. And what was your standout game of the week? Oh, man, I have a lot to say about this one. <laughs> so uh, you guys know me. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. Um, there was a game this weekend. Pro- the Definitely the second big- biggest upset of the week. I thought it was going to be the only upset of the week until the Steelers. Now, the Giants led by Colt McCoy. He did not. He has not won a game since 2014. They were going in that game. I was expecting a blowout. I was thinking it's gonna be the easiest game of the season for the Seahawks. Nothing to worry about for sure. Nothing to worry about. I was like going in that game. I was happy. I was, yeah, I was really happy about that game. Ask anybody. I was beyond confident. But oh boy, was I wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Seahawks. Now, the first half, it was just a defensive battle. 
Russell Wilson couldn't get anything started. He was able to get downfield, but besides that, they were just a lot of punts. And overall, they got one field goal in the first half, and they just looked really bad out there. And I was really confident even going to the second half because before that, the special teams made a huge play. They got a blocked punt for a safety. And I was like, okay, cool. We're gonna we're gonna come back for out from halftime. We're gonna be better than ever. Except that's when the defense folded. Now, if you guys have been watching Seahawks games, listening to us talk about them, it's a very offensive team. Everything that they've done for the first half of the season has been just offense. Like they've had to bail out the defense every single week. But these recent few like these last two games. It's been complete opposite. The defense is to bail out the offense every single play. Now, there's a lot of stuff that can go into this. Um, I think a lot of it... So, for the Giants' loss, they ended up losing 17-12, to 12, I believe. And it was just a bad game. Russell Wilson was leading a pretty good drive downfield. It was, I think, a minute left, no timeouts. He was leading it down. It was going really well. And then 4th and 20 because he got sacked because the O-line is horrendous. He got sacked, and of course, he tried to throw it up to Metcalf, couldn't make the play happen. It's whatever. Uh, they lost the game. But there's some stuff I want to talk about that goes into that loss. Now, Russell Wilson, if you guys don't know, he's been a very busy guy recently. He has his own. He's ma- Him and his uh, wife, Ciara, are making a new school. They're making a ton of, like, like they're making a clothing brand, a fragrance brand. Like, they have a lot of stuff going on. He has a lot of charity work going on. And being an NFL quarterback, I feel like... He just has way too much, like, and also all the expectations set for him because everyone thinks that he's like, I don't know, people have been saying that he's overrated recently because of all the mistakes he's been making. And I don't know, I feel like he just has a lot of pressure on him. He needs to kind of just step back from everything else for now and just focus on football because it's, you could tell, like, he's making bad decisions. There's many times where he gets, like, the line just folds on him, and instead of throwing the ball away, he either does intentional grounding, or he just takes a sack. It's like, he doesn't even try to do anything he used to do. I'm not sure what's going on with him. I think he has a lot on his mind. Uh, I did blame him for the game uh, on Sunday for a while, but then while re-watching highlights and stuff, I realized how bad the play calling was, and and this brings me to my other point. Pete Carroll may be part of the problem. Now, I think Pete Carroll is a top 10 coach in the league. I love the guy. Uh, I don't think you could really hate Pete Carroll. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a funny coach. He's a 70-year-old, and he acts like he's, like, in his 30s. I know. Like, the, the gum-chewing Pete Carroll, yeah. <laughs> yep, everybody loves him. He's a great guy. But, I don't know, these last few games, he's just been really, really rough-looking. Like, uh, the play calling has been horrendous. For example, you guys know, earlier in the season, I was really criticizing Ken Norton, saying that he should be fired. Well, I was actually doing some, I was reading some articles published by credible sources, and it was saying that Pete Carroll was actually responsible for the defensive play calls. Ken Norton was trying to like do something new, but Pete Carroll was like saying, oh no, we're gonna blitz right here, we're gonna do this. Like it was him making the bad defensive decisions. Now, I think that he's kind of stepped back from doing the defensive side and going more towards offense. And you can see that totally affected the offense because Take back, so we'll go to the Eagles game, for example, last week. Now, the Eagles, they had, or the Seahawks had a lot of bad plays. They could not run the ball at all. I'm not sure if you guys watched that game, but every time they tried running the ball, it would just get stopped right there. And I'm pretty sure Pete Carroll was doing the play calls. He said, and I don't know, he says this was an uncharacteristic loss for the Seahawks, which it was. And uh, I'm done with the Seahawks, but I'm going to go over to the uh, Giants really quick. So... 
The Giants, they played pretty good football. I mean, the defense did amazing. Holding them to 12 points is pretty good. The def- Yeah, the defense was pretty good. Cole McCoy, led, he was he was decent. I think he, he threw a pretty bad interception. But besides that, he didn't look super bad. The run game was on fire that day. And overall, the Giants looked pretty good. I think they might be a, the biggest threat in the, uh, in the NFC East. What do you think? I think that uh, the Giants, they're also a team that's making a name for themselves in the NFC East. But like I said earlier, uh, I'm still siding with the football team to eventually lead that division. Honestly, I don't think the Giants should have won that game. Uh, <laughs> the Seahawks, the Seahawks needed to play better football, and they didn't. And you were talking earlier about Russell Wilson, how he has a lot on his plate, um, and a lot of that is business oriented with him and his wife. Yeah. And do you think it's too early in his career to start doing business related stuff, tying with his name? Do you think that this fame and like you know, because he's he's known as a top three, top five quarterback. Yep. Do you think that this has kind of gotten to his head? Do you think that this big contract has kind of inflated his ego? And if if it did, do you think that's a problem? So, I don't think his ego. I don't think that's it at all. Um, I generally think that Russell Wilson is one of the nicest guys in the league. Uh, he always, yeah, he's he's a great guy. I think that he wants the best for his team. You could watch any post-game interview after they lose this season. He puts the blame on himself. He takes the blame. He like he knows he makes mistakes. Now you look at some other quarterbacks where they might they're like the ones with the big egos. They might think that it's not their fault. Russell Wilson puts the loss on his back, and overall, I think that's probably the biggest problem. He tries to put way too much on himself. Now, at the beginning of the season, there was a really popular hashtag going around called "Let Russ Cook." Ugh. <laughs> and uh, it was a huge thing, and it was basically his MVP race. It was his MVP campaign. Yeah, it was his MVP hashtag for sure. And of course, with that, there was a lot of haters. They were saying that Russell Wilson wasn't good, and that he wasn't a top five quarterback. So he had a lot of like, he has a lot of hate, but also he has a lot of love. And I don't know. I feel like he knows. Again, as I said, it's hard to ignore the media. He knows that he has these expectations to uphold. So. I don't think his ego is too big. I think that the contract, I don't think that really affected him that much because he got the contract last season and he played pretty good last season. I think it's just this season, the expectations that were, that he has. And like, as I said, he's doing all these new business stuff with his wife, like the school, the clothes, like so much new stuff that I think he just, he's not as focused as football anymore. I mean, he's, as he's 32. As he yeah, he, I mean, he says he wants to play for 15 more years. He takes great care of himself. But, I don't know, I feel like he's focusing a lot more on outside stuff than football. I know he still has other priorities, I know he's a family guy, and that's great. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're getting paid $150 million for a reason. I think that he needs to kind of t- just take a break from everything else right now. Uh, his wife, Ciara, she's she's great, she could probably work a lot of it. I'm not saying he needs to step out entirely. But I think that Russ needs to just take a break from that and just focus on football because he has a team he's the lead. He's the heart of the whole entire he's Seahawks. The face of the franchise. Yeah, like, yeah. So overall, that's my opinion on that. I know it was kind of went off in the game and went more into Russell Wilson. But overall, just an off performance by the Seahawks. Yeah, props to Colt McCoy being able to... Yeah, the Giants, they had a really surprising game. So to keep up with the QB talk, I'm going to go to my player of the week. Now, if you guys watched the game, you guys know Josh Allen balled out against the Niners. He had a completion percentage of 80%, 375 passing yards, four touchdowns, and a pass rating of 139.1. I think this is Josh Allen's best game by far. And honestly, 
he's back in the MVP conversation right now. I think so too. Um, I think he's definitely in the conversation. I think Patrick Mahomes is still going to win it. Yeah. But Josh Allen, if anything, he's definitely one of the best offensive players oh, in the AFC. Um, I, his potential was visible since last year, but I don't think we are ready for him to take as big of a jump as he did this season. For oh, sure. I completely agree. Last season, I, I was looking at some stats. He had a fit like... His season last year was not that good. I mean, it was decent. It was decent. He got to the playoffs over, like overall, this wasn't a great season, but it was it was all right. Uh, pretty decent for a rookie season, but he, his sophomore year is a million times better. He's been doing everything right. It seems like just overall looks great out on the field. Looks comfortable. He has great chemistry with his team, and just yeah, overall Especially looks amazing. Especially his chemistry with Stefan Diggs. Oh, and him and Diggs. That's probably the most surprising duo. Like it's one of, of the, the top. Season. It's one of the top duos right now. Huh? Yeah. They ball out together every week. Even on, even on Josh Allen's poor, like poor performing weeks, he's still throwing around two hundred ninety to three hundred yard games. Like he's a stat fiend as of right now. Yeah, overall he looks great out there. Uh, as I said, every week he just looks like a beast. Uh, or not every week, but most weeks he looks great. He's what the Bills needed, honestly. And I saw, I saw this stat for this season. Uh, this game was his fourth game of this season where he had 300 yards and four touchdowns. In, that, that's like, insane. Game. That's that's insane. Like, statistically, that is insane. And you're right. That does throw him into the MVP talk for sure. Do you think that Josh Allen is a potential top five QB maybe next season? I think so. Um, his ceiling is very high. And at the level that he's playing at right now, um, He's a real raw gunslinger, and the best part is he can tuck it and run. Yeah. Uh, his first season, Lamar Jackson did overshadow him because Lamar Jackson had around like 700 rushing yards his yep. rookie season. Josh Allen had about 500. Um, Josh Allen can tuck it and run, and he could take a hit. He even had a receiving touchdown a couple weeks ago. Um, he's had a couple rushing touchdowns this season. Josh Allen is all around athletically gifted to be a quarterback and yeah so far with this scheme uh he's blending really well and i think eventually within within the years to come he will be a top five qb just want to say really quick i'm sorry earlier i said that uh, last season was rookie year but i forgot that he, that last year was the second year so yeah my bad on that my offensive player of the week was definitely baker mayfield i touched on that earlier like i said 20 for 25 336 yards, five touchdowns, and it's more than the stats for me. Like I said, there's plenty of reads that Baker Mayfield made that mm -hmm. are completely different than what he would have made last season. He's a little more conservative and he's definitely playing the game manager role, which is what he needed to do on that offense. Yep. And he needed to shape up this season for sure. Cause like I said, the Browns have a crazy amount of talent on offense and defense like the list goes on on defense you got miles garrett grant del pitt denzel larry ogan yeah larry ogan joby denzel ward greedy williams and then on offense um when he's healthy obj jarvis landry t higgins donovan peoples jones and joku yep david and joku austin hooper and harrison bryant probably the one it's probably the best trio of tight ends in the league the oh, Browns have. and then their running backs they've got two hammerheads they've got nick chubb and kareem hunt he needed to step up and lead this team, and I think that's what he's finally going to do now. So he's my player of the week, not only just for statistics, but just as an impact player for the Browns. I completely agree. So uh, I'm going to keep going with the AFC East for my uh, players of the week. My defensive player of the week is Kyle Van Noy for the Dolphins. Now, he had a pretty great game against the Bengals. 
uh, eight tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks and one pass deflection. Not much more you could ask from a linebacker. Overall, just an amazing game. He really made a difference in that game. Now, I'm pretty sure there was a few fights in that Bengals and Dolphins game. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, but I think there was a few. Yeah, there was a couple, and um, a couple players from both teams, they got ejected, and... I think, I think five couple, players in total. Yeah, five players in uh, total. And I think there's a one to two game suspension for uh, the safety of the Bengals. And personally, I saw the scuffle and it wasn't even, it wasn't like Miles Garrett hitting, the, hitting Mason Rudolph with his helmet. It was honestly just a couple push and shoves, one punch throw. And honestly, that's something that you do break up. But I don't think it's anything to eject players over. Um, I think, don't got, if it wasn't that huge of a fight, I agree. Yeah, it, it wasn't too big of a thing. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they could have let that one rock a little more. And then if something happened again, then they could have ejected them. I think they just did it a little prematurely. But yeah, that was a crazy thing that happened in that Bengals and Dolphins game. And I'll go ahead and hop into my defensive player of the week. And I've got Leonard Williams, D-tackle for the New York Giants. He had a field day against the Seahawks. Yeah. He had three tackles, two and a half sacks, and two TFLs. He was in the backfield the whole night. And that really showed in that win against. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was over there almost every single play. He was putting so much pressure. And overall, it's a great game by that guy. So to kick off this week's news, I want to talk about the Chargers. So they've been talking about uh, Anthony Lynn and how they don't really want him as a coach anymore. He is in the hot seat. Honestly, I agree with it. Honestly, the thing is... I don't agree with it, and this is why. So, Anthony Lynn, he hasn't gotten the wins that the Chargers need, but his staff that he's hired, his uh, his quarterback coach has worked really well with Justin Herbert. Oh, and yeah. Justin Herbert is clearly going to be their franchise quarterback for years to come. And if you're removing Anthony Lynn, you're taking out his staff as well because a new NFL head coach isn't going to come in and just use the other coaches that are there. He's, they're going to want to hire their own staff and... The staff that's around Anthony Lynn is good for the Chargers, but I do see why Anthony Lynn himself isn't good for the Chargers. So I think Anthony Lynn just needs to sharpen himself up, but I definitely don't think that the Chargers firing him would be a good move. This is why I think it is a good move. So you're in situations almost every single week, it feels like, where you could win a game, you do great in the whole entire game, but you can never finish off that last drive. That's been basically a summary of the Chargers' whole entire season. So. First of all, they can't finish games, and they just got blown out 45-0 to against the Patriots. Now, keep in mind, 45-0, to that's a huge number. And overall, that's just, yeah, it's disappointing. I'm pretty sure Chargers fans everywhere, not, not, not that there's a lot of them, but uh, Chargers fans everywhere were probably pretty pissed about that game. I mean, I would be as well. So, yeah, honestly, the Patriots aren't an amazing team. They're at, they're at 500 win percentage. And overall, Anthony Lynn has just been making a lot of coaching mistakes. Uh... They had one last week, I believe, and it was just an awful play call. I think it was a QB sneak on the three-yard the three yard line. That's a, that's a one-yard play. You don't want to do that to gain three yards. Overall, he's been making awful decisions. He can't finish out games, and then when they, I feel like when they're not in a game, it's just there's no hope for them at all. Like If it's 45-0, you're not winning that game, but I feel like when they aren't in a game, it's a blowout, not like... Let's say if it was 21 to like 35 or something like that, that, that's still a football game. But overall, if you're, I feel like every time that they're not like 
a one-score game, it's a blowout. So I think that Anthony Lynn is not a great coach for them. And then there's another coach in the hot seat as well, Doug Peterson. Now, three years ago, he was on the top of the world. He just won a Super Bowl with uh, Nick Foles. He looked great. The whole entire team was, the Eagles were an amazing team three years ago, but now they're falling apart. Their quarterback is just out of it. He's, yeah. He's not the same, man. I mean, he's not even playing next week against the Saints. Yep, Jalen Hurts is starting now. They're they're doing awful in the easiest division in football his, history and over, yeah. And... He's been making a lot of poor coaching decisions. Like, you guys know my stance on Wills or on uh, Wentz. He hasn't been amazing this season. I would have benched him a lot sooner, honestly. Like, the season is still winnable for them. They could still make the playoffs if they want to. And if uh, hopefully Jalen Hurts going there helps them out. But Doug Peterson overall, I haven't been impressed with him. The play calls aren't there. Uh, yeah, overall just looks kind of bad as a coach. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of Doug Peterson. I think he has to move on to another team, if anything. Um, the chemistry isn't there anymore. And Carson Wentz isn't the same player that it used to be. No. And let's go ahead and talk about that because that's also another topic we had scheduled. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to start. I mean, against the Saints, that's a that's a big step for the young guy, the rookie. But the thing is, uh, last game that he played, he was actually doing really good. He had a nice deep ball. Yeah. And the thing is, him and Carson Wentz's play style is pretty equal. That's what I saw when I watched the game. Mm-hmm. Their play style is equal, but Jalen Hurts has the ability to tuck it and run. And he did do that quite a few times. He, he scrambled a few times for a few yards, and it really helped the Eagles get downfield. And when it came to throwing the ball, he was accurate. And he had a real nice cross-body throw uh, late in the game. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to be good for the Eagles. And I think if I'm the Eagles, I'm going to keep Jalen Hurts in. Definitely. Uh, I think you can get some trade value out of Carson Wentz. Um, who knows? Uh, maybe the Bears could bite on him or something. But that's that's a whole other topic to talk about. But... I like what I saw from Jalen Hurts. It's going to be a real test seeing him go against the Saints. Keep in mind, the Saints have only allowed one touchdown in their last five games. That's insane. They're the best defense in the league by far. So I'm not really expecting a crazy game from Jalen Hurts, but if he did have a solid one, I'd be pretty proud. Another topic we have is Isaiah Wilson. He was suspended after only four snaps this, uh, this season, and it was back in week 12, and he got suspended for a DUI arrest for attending two parties at Tennessee State, and he ended up on the COVID list twice this season. And it's if, the right call. Yeah, it's the right call. And if you're a coach, do you want that kind of player on your team? Definitely not. I mean, we know, especially right now, COVID is like, you need to follow the rules. Like, it's, you have to. And he's just like, he's being reckless, going to parties. And if you're on the COVID list twice, then you're an issue for the team. And I don't know, I wouldn't want him there. He's a rookie, correct? Correct. So he's still a young guy, young player. He doesn't really have much experience, only four snaps. So hopefully he matures and, and realizes that this isn't college anymore. Like this is a real deal. He's, and yeah, he needs his actions have consequences. Like let's say he went to a party and got COVID and he was asymptomatic. And next thing you know, the whole entire team is sick. And then that just ruins That's on him. a whole entire week of football. And he knows it's on him too. So overall, honestly, I'm he he is a rookie, so he gets some leeway right there, but at the same time, he needs to learn his lesson. Hopefully the suspension kind of kicks him in gear and realizes that this isn't college anymore. He can't be going to parties. He has to be 
really just dedicated to football because you're an NFL player now. He has to be better for himself and for the team. So another suspension, uh, AJ Bouye, another pain, like an, another heartbreaker for the Broncos. Uh, he was suspended now for week t- until week two for next season because he violated the league's PEDs rules and he had an amazing game against the Chiefs. So overall, not surprised because if you could really like make an effect where Patrick Mahomes can't make those passes anymore, then that just shows something. And I think in the third quarter, the Broncos were actually leading that game. Oh yeah, they they honestly surprised. That's the game I wanted to talk about earlier. Uh, they looked great out there, which is honestly surprising. Drew Locke didn't actually play bad at all. I think he had one bad interception at the beginning of, this, at the beginning of the game. But besides that, he was making good decisions downfield and he was looking good out there. So I don't know if I should bind to Drew Locke yet or not because- I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I don't know. He's been very inconsistent. He has had good games, like the Chargers game. He led a game-winning drive. This game, he was able to keep it in, like, he was able to keep a game with the Chiefs, the best team in football. And overall, I don't know. Uh, anyways, going on to news. Um, I think, real quick, I also want to say, I think Drew Locke is just going through some growing pains for yeah. learning to be an NFL quarterback. I think if the Broncos stick with him, he'll eventually be good. But when the Broncos are healthy next season... I think they're going to need him to step up. And going back to the uh, conversation earlier about uh, roles and the expectations, Drew Locke had a lot of expectations because he went four and one in his first five stars. A thousand and, yards and yeah, he, like five touchdowns. He looked great out there. Like everybody was like loving Drew Locke and he just had so many expectations to uphold. And same thing as Wilson. I think they kind of got to his head and like, I don't know. I hope the best for him. He has a lot of promise. He ha- he he makes good decisions out there. He has an arm. It's just overall, he needs to be more disciplined. Vontez Burfig. Uh He's been arrested for a battery. And he's posted a $1,000 bond. But personally, this just shows that he hasn't grown. Um, he's still been the same terrible person ever since he took his first nap. And... He's had over $5 million paid in suspensions from uh, illegal hits. Um, He tried to twist Cam Newton's ankle. Obviously, the hit in Antonio Brown. Um, There's a couple hits he even did in practice. Now, Vontez Burfecht, sure, he's a solid run-stopping linebacker, but he's not someone you need on your NFL team. And with this happening, um, I don't see him taking another snap. And if he does... It should not have even. It should not even taken place. This man should be out of the league. He is just way too much stuff. Just countless. I mean, five million dollars just on PED fines and twenty-two games out because of PEDs. Just, I don't know. He breaks rules constantly. He never learns. He's not. He's a dirty player. Yeah, he's not. Maybe he would have gotten away with it maybe like fifty years ago, but like now, no. <laughs> yeah. Like times have changed, and that's one thing that he hasn't done is change. And I don't know. He shouldn't take another snap. Definitely not. So some more news. Uh, the Falcons are interviewing new GMs. And that that makes me think, because the Falcons kind of have some talent right now. Um, I think with the fact that they're going to have a new GM and a new coach, I think we're going to start seeing less and less of this talent for now. I think we're going to see the Falcons start to rebuild. So yeah. I'm, I'm predicting that the Falcons are going to have terrible seasons the next two years. Like I'm talking like three and 13 type seasons. So what I'm going to do if I'm the Falcons, I'm trading away Matt Ryan 
and Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, Julio Jones did so much for this franchise. He's one of the best uh, wide receivers of all time. I'm gonna trade him somewhere where he deserves he to be and where I can get good players, like maybe some younger receivers or what they need, because they have a good receiver in Calvin Ridley, but just having some more power there and their defense looks decent, honestly. Uh, just their offense, Matt Ryan, He's very... He's good. He's like, good. He, every year, he, do, he doesn't disappoint. He's very consistent. And I just think you need an infusion of youth in Definitely. that team. And I think we're going to start seeing that real soon. So, some more news. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt retired. Uh, and also, so did uh, Stefan Hauschka. They both retired this week. Wish the best for them. Honestly, Stephen Hauschka, he's been a kicker for 13 seasons. Uh, across plenty of teams, got a Super Bowl win with the Seahawks. Yep. And LeGarrette Blunt, uh, I like to call him Mini Derrick Henry because that's what he used to be. You know, not as explosive, obviously, but solid. Yeah, he got the game-winning touchdown against the Falcons, uh, where the Falcons blew that twenty-eight to three lead. And I don't know, seeing him retire, um, I wish the best for him. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer for sure, but still sad to see him go. Mm -hmm. So going to COVID news, uh, Des Bryant, uh, he has he has had quite a story in the NFL. He went from making a catch that should or he went from making that huge catch that was end, like ended up not being ruled a catch. He went through a lot of injuries with the Saints, and now he's on the Ravens. And it was his first expected start in a long time, and he got COVID. He was really unhappy about it on Twitter. He said uh, something along the lines of he was mad that he got COVID and. He's not going to play this season, which I'm not sure if that's true or not. But I feel bad for the guy, honestly. He's been through so much in his NFL journey, and he's he is a solid receiver. I think so, too. Like, he's, he's solid. Um, he's worth having on your team. And he was also saying stuff like it was more it's more than the money. It's more than anything else. It, he wants to prove a point that he can still play because after he left the Cowboys, not not a single person hit his line to sign him for nope. a long time until the Saints came calling, and then he unfortunately tore his ACL. And NFL teams just dismissed him. And personally, I think that's unfair. He's still a good wide receiver, and to see this happen to him, I don't blame him for being a little bold on Twitter like that. But at the same time, he probably shouldn't have been. But hopefully we can see him play towards the end of the season. Exactly, so some more COVID news. Uh, the Panthers are the new COVID team. They have eight players on IR because of COVID, including big names like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Shaq Thompson. Uh, Those are big names and the Panthers are gonna need to bounce back and they're gonna need to, I don't even know how to explain it. They just need to take COVID seriously. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're just, I don't know. Teams are not taking COVID seriously at all, it seems like. And yeah, I don't know. Besides that, I hope they all like heal fast and get back on that field. Wish the best for those players. Let's go ahead and hop into some injuries. Jonah Williams, offensive tackle for the Bengals. He has a knee injury and it's going to be season ending. And it's really upsetting because last year was his rookie year and he wasn't able to play uh, due to a torn labrum. And the Bengals need offensive line desperately. It's the reason Joe Burrow isn't playing for the rest of this season and maybe not a couple games next season. Yep. Um, he's He was really important to them as well. And I'm pretty sure this was important for his career as well. Because um, rookies, they always get a four-year contract. And 
his first two years are injury riddled and if he doesn't do good these next two years they might he might not get he might not get the fifth year option and that'll be big for him uh one that i know you want to talk about is trey flowers so trey flowers did get hurt it's unfortunate uh you guys know i wasn't a big fan of him i'm still not completely sold on him but he has been kind of turning his season around he had a few good games he actually managed to lock up hopkins which is surprising i'm not entirely sure what his injury is but i know quinton dunbar is going to be back so that's going to help out the seahawks but overall prayers to trey flowers hope that he gets healed soon he wasn't my favorite player but still it sucks to see him get hurt yeah you never want to wish bad on anyone and then adam humphreys for the titans solid wide receiver especially on special teams He's on IR due to concussion issues, which is definitely something you don't want to see, especially nowadays. Yeah, concussions could be really dangerous, especially in the long run. It can cause major problems that, yeah, don't want to really go. Don't really need to touch more on that. And then uh, Zach Martin for the Cowboys, he got he's done for the year. He got a calf injury, which and sucks to see. Honestly, he's one of their best. He's been their best lineman. Yep. He's been their best O lineman for the last like five, eight years even. And they need that O line as well. Jadavion Clowney, uh, done with the season, uh, done for the season due to surgery on his left meniscus. Um, what does this say for Jadavion Clowney's future? Um, I'm uncertain because he's had a lot of injury trouble. I think he got injured in the Texans. He was injured in the Seahawks last year for a few games. And now he's out for the Titans. And keep in mind, he was demanding a lot of money over the whole entire free agency thing. And overall, the Titans are probably disappointed. He's probably disappointed. Um, he didn't want to get injured or anything. But yeah, Jadavian Clowney, he's he's an impact player. He's not there the whole game. You don't see, like He's not making big plays all games, but he makes that one big play that could change the whole entire game. I wish the best for him. The Titans deserve him. He deserves to be there. And I don't know. Just hope it all falls into place for him. So for this week's weird stat, I'm going to talk about Jameis Winston. So, so you guys know that he had a really impressive season last year. Not a great one, but the fact that he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Now the weird stat about this is that he is leading the league in the most interceptions thrown since the beginning of last year. He's at 30, Phillip Rivers is at 29, and Mayfield is at 28. So keep in mind that this guy has not played a single down this year. He has not thrown a touchdown, no interceptions. Yeah, he's not played this year at all. And the fact that he's still leading this interception list is just insane to me. Um, my, you guys know my co-host, Benny. He he believes in Jameis Winston. He thinks that Jameis Winston can be solid. It just He just needs to sort out his interception problem. Um, I agree. I think that Jameis Winston can be good. He has the touchdowns. He, he has the arm to throw downfield, and I think being under Drew Brees, he could really learn a lot, because Drew Brees is an all-time great. He might, I've seen him in GOAT conversations, and everybody loves Drew Brees. Now, I think that Jameis Winston being on this team is gonna help him a lot, because yeah, he's gonna learn, but yeah, that's pretty insane that even after not playing at all, he's still leading interceptions since being a last season. Uh, 30 is a pretty crazy number. Let's go ahead and jump right into hot takes. I'm gonna go ahead and start with mine. Mine's gonna be a little different than our usual standard hot take. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about two underrated receivers and two overrated receivers. I'm gonna start out with underrated. I think AJ Brown has not gotten the attention that he needs over in Tennessee. He did have two fumbles against the Browns, but this whole season, he's been the other weapon other alongside Derrick Henry. 
he's phenomenal. He's a great route runner. He's a big body. He does have good ball handling, but he definitely didn't last game. But he's still an underrated receiver. Um, I think his first, um, I don't think he played his rookie season, but his very first NFL season, I think he had 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns, and nobody, nobody talked about it. Another receiver that's underrated, Tyler Boyd. Everybody thought A.J. Green being healthy, they thought he was going to be Joe Burrow's number one target, but no. Um, Tyler Boyd has been that number one target, and he's been making really, like, my comparison for him right now is another pretty good receiver that doesn't get talked about, and that's Tyler Lockett. Tyler Boyd is... <laughs> uh, Kind of funny, they both have their name as Tyler, but Tyler Boyd is kind of the Bengals' Tyler Lockett. Um, he's really good in the end zone, and he's just really solid overall. Now, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some overrated wide receivers, and I know this one's going to be a, this is going to scuffle some feathers, and I promise this one is not biased, but I think Chase Claypool is a little overrated. Um, he's a phenomenal, don't get me wrong, he is a phenomenal wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but... I don't think, I think right now he's having that Juju Smith-Schuster effect. Um, dominant, uh, dominant his rookie season, but not good enough to be a number one. And I think that's really the case for Chase Claypool. I think he's a good Swiss Army Knife slot wide receiver, but I don't think he's good enough to be a number one. And I don't see him being a top receiver five years from now. And then another overrated receiver I'll go ahead and end my list with is uh, DK Metcalf. He's solid. He's one of my favorite receivers in the league right now, but he's not, he's not, he's not as good as he should be. Um, I picture him being good eventually, but I think people are talking too highly of him right now, especially with the Megatron comparisons. I mean, I said it as a joke, but people actually took that seriously. Like actual NFL reps actually took that seriously and they were comparing him to Megatron. And while he does have the size and the speed, uh, so far, he doesn't have the hands. He's leading the NFL in drops right now. I agree with almost all of these, honestly. Now, I would swipe out the underrated receiver for Tyler Lockett. I would, yeah, I'd swipe out the Tylers because you see what Tyler Lockett does. His uh, his toe tapping abilities are just insane. Like, yeah. it's another level. Like, he, yeah, just an amazing player overall. Uh, he's Russell Wilson's uh, number one guy, honestly. I would say Metcalf is, but when yeah, he, I would look at Lockett more than Metcalf right now. So I'm gonna agree with everything else. I am gonna agree that Metcalf is overrated. I think he's an amazing player. I do think that he is one of the, like, I think he's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL right now, but not top three. So many people put him in top three. He is leading the league in yards right now. But again, the drops, if he wouldn't drop the ball, then I would put him in top three category. But there's so many plays where you see him just drop wide open passes, touchdowns, it happens all the time. It's weird because usually you don't make the contested catches, but he makes almost every single one of those. Yeah, he, he works good on the contested catches, but those wide open ones, for some reason, he's just not there. Yeah, I completely agree. He just, he, he could be great. I think that it, he could honestly potentially be one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he has a great quarterback throwing to him. Uh, he has the passion for it because during the offseason, him and Russell Wilson went to Mexico for, I think, a month. And all they did was just play football there. That's what I saw on uh, a YouTube video. Yeah, I remember, I remember Russell Wilson asked, did you bring your cleats? Yep. He's like, no, I brought my helmet. So. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so it shows that Metcalf has the passion for it. But as of now, I'm going to agree. He is he is overrated. What do you think about my Chase Claypool 
being overrated. Kind of talking about how he's getting that little bit of a Juju Smith-Schuster effect. Um, I agree. I think that he's a great receiver. And, but I do think he is a little bit overrated. I agree with you on that. I don't think he's the best wide receiver of the draft class. I think that Justin Jefferson is. For sure. But, uh, yeah, Claypool, I hope that his career doesn't go the same way Juju's did. Because Juju is a great receiver. But he gets a lot of hate now. Because he doesn't get the reads as much because he can't get open as fast. And- yeah, because Juju Smith-Schuster was what Chase Claypool is now. Because the year Juju Smith-Schuster popped off, he had Antonio Brown. And AB wasn't getting that many looks. He's kind of he's kind of where Juju Smith-Schuster is right now. Exactly. And I was even saying it when it happened. Juju wasn't ready to be a number one receiver. And that's kind of shown this season. And... Uh, he's had a load taken off of him with Chase Claypool, but I just don't think Chase Claypool is as great just because of that. I completely agree. What's your hot take? <laughs> so, uh, so my hot take, it's a little bit of a weird one. I know a lot of people are not going to agree, but I think that Derrick Henry should win the MVP award. Now, I know you don't agree with this one. I touched on it last week, and I'm going to go more in depth on it. So, I believe that Derrick Henry should be the 2020 MVP for a few reasons. One, he is on pace to lead the league in uh, rushing yards back-to-back. Like last season, he was the rushing king. This year, it's going to be the same again, most likely. Uh, he's a powerhouse. We all see that. And he is the heart of that Titans offense. I don't care how much you try to defend Tannehill. Tannehill is a great quarterback. But without, without Henry, Tannehill would not be nearly as good. Because as we've talked about, people prepare for Derrick Henry. He is by far the most, I think he's the most valuable player in the NFL right now. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback, best quarterback in the league. But I think it's about time that we see a different position get it. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since our running back has gotten the MVP award, but I wouldn't give it to Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know. I've always been tough on Derrick Henry. He's phenomenal. And like you said, he's going to be back-to-back um, rushing yards. Yeah, he's going to be a back-to-back rushing yard leader, and he's also the face of his current franchise. Um, but I just think, I just think, yeah, another position should get it. But you can't lie, quarterbacks, especially nowadays with how um, offenses are being run, they're a lot more pass-heavy than they used to be. So statistically. I think if you were to not pick, let's say, let's say it ended right now and you had to pick between Patrick Mahomes and Derrick Henry, I feel like with how big of a season Patrick Mahomes is having so far, it's really going to be a snub if you give it to Derrick Henry just because of how offenses are nowadays. I could agree with that, honestly. It's a, it's a very weird hot take, as I said. Uh, you could look at it from both points, but looking at it from a running, like as a running back, or, what? Looking at it. Through running back, I would say Derrick Henry gets it just because he he drives that Tennessee uh, offense. He is like he's he's huge. He's strong. He can push through almost anybody. He has the best stiff arm in the game, and he can make just amazing plays whenever they need it. It seems like honestly, if he doesn't win MVP, I definitely think he'll win Offensive Player. I could I could see that. All right, you know what time of the week it is? It's our Jet slander. <laughs> so. Let's go ahead and talk about this Jets and Raiders game that the Jets wholeheartedly should have won. They tanked. Anything. It's obviously they're tanking now. It's obvious they're tanking. Um, the Jets stopped the Raiders on fourth and three, and they got the ball back with 137 on the clock. Yeah. And they had a chance to put the game away, you know, just run, run, the, ball. run the ball. Yeah, because they uh, the Raiders still had their timeouts. Oh. So, you know, run the ball, 
get your first down and just let the clock run out. You just needed one first down. They didn't get that first down. Nope. And they only took 55 seconds off of that clock. And Derek Carr has pulled out game-winning drives in under a minute before. Like before, Derek Carr is an unsung hero. He is a solid quarterback. You can't give a quarterback of his caliber even. You can't even give him even 45 seconds. But he had a minute, and the Jets' defense, they got it down to a third and 10 with 13 seconds left. And then that was going to be the last play of the game, you know? Um, Just send your dudes back because it's obviously going to be a Hail Mary for the win. But the Jets decided to go for an all-out blitz, leaving only three players in coverage. For my Madden folks, they called an engage eight. And... I don't know if you know, but Henry Ruggs was the fastest receiver coming out of the draft and the Raiders happened to pick him up and you know who got it on the left side from burning a uh, a defensive back, Henry Ruggs, and he caught the pass for the win and immediately after, immediately after, defensive coordinator Greg Williams for the Jets was fired and Frank Bush promoted to intern defensive coordinator. And if I'm a Jets fan, I'm pissed because... It's obvious. It's obvious you're gonna get the first overall pick, but you don't want to go 0 and 16 doing it. Sure, the Jags only have one. Uh, sure, the Jags only have one win as well, so you'd be tied with them. They do have a division win though, so it would go down to that. Yeah, that's the thing. It would go down to that. Um, the Jets don't have enough points scored. Um, the Jets would still get the number two pick. So if I'm a Jets fan, I'd say at least give us one. Yeah. At least give us one. And that was your opportunity against the Raiders. That would have been a real big flex for Jets fans as well. And that would have kicked the Raiders out of playoff contention probably. It really would have. And nope, they decided to call an engage eight and lose the game. Embarrassing. And they fired Greg Williams. But how many times are we going to say the man that needs to get fired? Adam Gase. Is Adam Gase. He's... That's all I have to say. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's obviously tanking now. Nobody calls an engage a on a hail mary. That's just so stupid. Uh, but besides that, it just shows that the Jets are ready to fire coaches. Because yeah, yeah, they're they're not satisfied with the staff that's there. So might as well get rid of the man who hired them. Uh-huh. Get rid of Adam Gase. Um, get a man who's gonna lead the team better. Get a man who's not going to put cameras in the locker room and get into a whole investigation about that. And I don't know. Trevor Lawrence is not the move for the Jets. They don't I, need a quarterback. They don't need a quarterback as of right now. I think Sam Darnold's good enough to get them wins. Um, but Trevor Lawrence is not what you need. He's a generational talent. He's going to be good. But as the Jets franchise, with where your team is at, you don't need Trevor Lawrence. No, definitely not. It's just... Yeah, you guys know we do not like the Jets. Keep in mind that this, this isn't going to be a reoccurring thing. Next season, hopefully, it's a brand new team. But if it's Adam Gates, they're still going to it's still going to be the Jets. Yes, yeah. Um, I promise you guys, when Adam Gates does get fired, whether it's this season or if it's next season, the minute he gets fired, I'm going to upload just a 13 second clip, just me screaming tears of joy. <laughs> I'm going to be so happy, and I can't wait to share that moment with you guys. Keep in mind, we're not Jets fans at all. We're not Jets fans at all. Um, I wouldn't even say I don't like the Jets. I just don't like Adam Gates. Yeah, he's an awful coach. So that's our typical Jets slander for the week. Yep.
And with that, that concludes episode 13 of Jake and Benny's Backyard Football. We do have a Patreon. Make sure to go check that out on our website, which can be found at our social medias. And that's going to be Jake and Benny's Backyard Football on Facebook, Backyard Football Podcast on IG, Jake and Benny FB on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, like we said earlier. And with that, have a great night.